0: Episode 787. Green Bay Packers cornerback Mackinton Dorleant was arrested over the weekend. So what's the fallout? We'll ask Zach Cruz of the Packers Wire. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host Brian Caravu, and we're talking more free agency action, NFL owners meeting, and on today. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Zach Cruz, formerly of Cheesehead TV and currently of the Packers Wire, part of the USA Today Network. Zach, how you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing well, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Uh, How are you doing this
0: morning? Very good. Thank you. Uh, Zach, before we get into some football talk, a tangential question here. What did you make of Aaron Rodgers' appearance at the Wisconsin Badgers Sweet 16 game and what transpired?
1: You know, I think it's great that Rodgers is such a supporter of Wisconsin hoops, you know he's lived in Wisconsin for how how long now, 12 years or so. So <laughs> I think it's, I think it's great. And, and really how cool is that moment that, that he helped produce with Zach Showalter? I mean, to hit, hit that three and then do the celebration with him there was, was just awesome. I, I think it's one of the coolest moments in recent Wisconsin sports history, to be honest. I just, I thought that was a really cool moment.
0: It was the only thing better is if they would have won the game, which is unfortunate <laughs> yeah. for the Packers. Yeah.
1: But not the way we wanted to end. But still, a, still a cool moment.
0: All right, let's talk about this Packers team and what's impacting them. Turning to the arrest of Mackinton Dorleont. Zach, how do you think this impacts his status with the Packers? Because sometimes teams won't tolerate this kind of thing from fringe players, simply releasing them.
1: Yeah, he's an undrafted free agent. You know, he didn't he didn't play a whole lot last year. He actually was on IR twice, which is which is kind of a weird thing. But the way it sounds, his role in the whole incident was pretty minor. So, you know, I, I don't think any team wants this kind of press, obviously, but I can't imagine this is a, a job-ending thing for him. I mean, TJ Lang went on Twitter almost immediately after that, that news broke and, and stood up for him. So I think he's going to have support in the locker room. And, you know, he, he plays a cornerback position where the Packers – Need guys, so I I think he's going to be all right. Like I said, I, this this whole thing sounds pretty minor from from the early details about it. Yeah, I
0: think everybody deserves a second chance, and if this yeah. is Mackinten's first defense, I think he'll get it as well. But Zach, yeah. while we're on the topic of cornerbacks, this is an obvious position and need for the Packers, and I want to get your thoughts on a couple of incoming rookies who made news this past week after injuring themselves at their respective pro days. Washington's Sidney Jones underwent Achilles surgery last week and says he'll play the season. How do you think the Packers will view him in the NFL draft? Because many thought he could be a first-round draft pick prior yeah. to injury.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a tough question because Sidney Jones was a, a popular mock draft pick for the Packers before the injury. But I, I think you know, you know, the Packers really need to find a corner who can probably play right away. And and this is already a deep class at cornerback. So, I, I don't know. Do you want to spend a first-round pick on a guy who's going to miss the whole offseason? Because, you know, it would be tough to ask a guy, even like Jones, to to miss OTAs and training camp and maybe some preseason and, and still be ready to play early in his career. So, I, I think Jones is a really talented guy. He I think he fits what the Packers need, but there are going to be plenty of options to add a cornerback. and and so, you know, maybe if he's there in the second round, you think really hard about taking him because the talent is very obvious. But I, I think the Packers really need a guy who they can be confident can play right away at cornerback. Uh,
0: another cornerback injuring himself during his pro day was Fabian Moreau of UCLA who tore his pectoral muscle on the bench press. How much, ve- how much do you think this impacts his value as well? Another guy who thought could be a potential first-round draft pick.
1: Yeah, he was he was a fringe first round pick for a lot of people, but I think he falls in the same boat as Jones because I, I just don't know if you can take a guy with a with a major injury that that's going to take away most of his uh, his first NFL offseason. I think you know OTAs and camp are so important. You know it's probably more important for the cornerback position because there's there's a lot to learn for for Dom Capers' defense, but and and this is such a deep classic corner that you probably don't need to take that injury risk, but. Um, like I said, if the, if the value is right later on, you absolutely consider it because talented quarterbacks are hard to find. It's obviously a, a need position. So I I think it is going to knock them down. It has to, because this class is so deep, but I, I think the Packers do have to consider the injury injury problem in there.
0: All right. So if these guys are out of, out of the question in the first round, which cornerbacks do you think have first round potential kind of outside of Marshawn Lattimore? We we kind of assume he'll be off the board, even if the Packers were to trade up, they probably couldn't get him, but who's in that next tier that the Packers could potentially consider.
1: Yeah, I, I think Lattimore going to be long gone, but I, I love his, uh, his teammate Gary Conley. I think he has those, uh, his long arms, deep speed, really good feet. Uh, I think he'd be a perfect replacement for Sam Shields. I'm just not sure if he's going to last till 29. I think he's going to rise up some boards because he had a really good combine. But um, I think Marlon Humphrey is going to be a first-rounder because teams just don't pass on his combination of physical gifts at corner. And he he played in a really good defense at Alabama. Um, I think you is a really good cover guy, and he has a ton of experience playing in the SEC. So I think he'll be a first-rounder. Um, a Dory Jackson, one of my favorite players in this whole class. Um, I think he's going to be a first rounder. He's small, but he ran really well at the combine. He tested really well. And I think he's going to be a playmaker in a lot of different ways at the NFL level. Uh, I think Tabor from Florida, maybe a woozy from Colorado. They have a chance to be first rounders. I, I, I This is such a deep class that I just wonder if uh, if a guy that would would have been a first rounder in another draft is probably going to be a second or maybe third rounder in this draft because it is so deep at corner. It's it's really a great year for the Packers to need a cornerback.
0: We're talking to Zach Cruz of the Packers Wire here at Cheesehead TV's Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Zach, we got details on Christine Michael's uh, reported contract over the weekend. Did you think he was worth bringing back for the Packers?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean. I think especially after they lost Lacey, I think they probably transitioned and got Michael back. I'd I'd like to see what he can do with the full offseason. I mean, he's bounced around, but he's stuck around because he has talent. And, you know, I think he's always going to be an unpredictable player, but he's got that aggressive, you know, one cut running style that I think the Packers really do like at running back. And, you know, you watch him early on in his, his time in Green Bay. He had some nice, simple runs where he just put his foot in the ground and got upfield and got six or seven yards. So I think... You know, give him an off season, get him to to do the the little things right that he was getting wrong at the end of last year. And you know, if it doesn't work out, then with his contract, they can move on pretty easily. So I think it made it made good sense to bring him back, especially after losing Lacy.
0: Yeah. Kristen, Michael, by the way, I think I said, Christine, I always just see the name and pronounce it wrong. That's a
1: really hard name.
0: <laughs> I, I, I always forget. Uh, Zach, uh, how big of a need though is the running back position now that they've officially got Michael back in the fold? Do they need a big power back now that Lacey's gone and that element is kind of missing from the roster?
1: Yeah, I go back and forth on how big the need as a running back. Cause on one hand, like you said, I, I do think they could use a big back like Lacey who can, you know, come in, play most of the downs, grind out yards in between the tackle and, you know, give a compliment to Montgomery who who's had some, some pretty big issues staying on the field early in his career. But I also really like Montgomery and I especially like how the Packers play offense when he's on the field. I just think it opens everything up when they go to that, that empty set where Montgomery can motion out and kind of dictate coverage and Rodgers can figure out everything about the coverage pre-snap i think that's that's super valuable and you're not going to get that for most running backs so i don't view it as a huge need probably for those reasons because i think montgomery is a pretty good option moving forward but i I think they're going to be able to grab a guy they like in the middle rounds because again this is a a good draft for for running backs i think too and they get a a mid-round guy maybe another undrafted free agent they like and i think they can probably call the position good
0: yeah, I think they can wait till day three and find a two hundred and twenty pound running back that provides value. Whether that's Jamal Williams, Brian Hill, Corey Clement, there's a lot that are going to come off the board in that day three kind of range, and which kind of is right in the Packers' wheelhouse, I think. Uh, but, but Zach, that the with the NFL owners meetings currently underway uh, as of yesterday in Arizona. Do you think the Packers will support the Oakland Raiders' potential move to Las Vegas?
1: Yeah, I, I see no reason why they wouldn't support it. I think the city of Oakland and that whole area has had a lot of time to to make the situation work, and they've they failed. And now Vegas has the funding, and they're going to build a stadium. And that's probably all she wrote, because I think you know, you either have a stadium in the NFL, or you're looking for the next city to give you a stadium. So that's just kind of the harsh reality of the relocation business in today's NFL. So I, I think Mark Murphy said, I think yesterday that he has some worries about the market, like the size of the market and how it's growing. But, you know, you give them a stadium and, and the bright lights of Vegas. And I think, I think most of the owners are going to approve the approve the move.
0: It'll become official later in today. Apparently a vote will be held. Um, Zach, are, are there any proposed rule changes
1: that you have strong feelings about? Not really. I, I worry a little bit about the NFL centralizing the review process. You know, I think maybe that'll help the accuracy of the replays. Maybe not. But, you know, what are the, what do you pay these refs for? They're on the field and they're making the calls. And I think they can interpret a replay fine without the NFL having the final say. Um, I'm not sure about limiting overtime to 10 minutes. That sounds like a good way to get more ties. And I don't think any fan wants a tie. So I, I just overall, these are, these are kind of moves that I'm not sure fans were really asking for any of these changes, to be honest. I think they're, they're pretty minor things, but I don't think they're, they're anything that fans were really looking forward to getting changed.
0: True. They, they could maybe do it for the preseason, but uh, maybe they should yeah. leave the regular season alone. Uh, yeah. Zach, before we let you go, uh, can you tell us uh, the, the Packers wire, the Twitter handle there and anything else you want to promote, feel free.
1: Yeah, the Twitter handler is just the Packers Wire. Um, you know, the site's growing every day. It's exciting. We got some new staff members coming on board. Um, I appreciate all the all the support early on, and I, I really appreciate you having me on here to promote it. Um, it's an exciting time. Uh, we're, we're really building up. We're, we're one of the, the last teams to get a, a site on the NFL Wire um, site. So we're building. Um, it's It's a grind. There's a lot of good Packers content out there to compete with, but We're building every day, and we thank everyone for the support.
0: Well, we'll send our listeners there to the Packers Wire. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. Take care and keep up the good work, all right? Thanks, Brian. Hope you're doing well. (laughs) Zach Cruz of the Packers Wire joining us here at RailBird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers News segment. Uh, Packers cornerback Mackinton Dorleant, along with Chicago Bears cornerback DeAndre Hall, were both arrested in Cedar Falls, Iowa early Sunday morning, according to a report from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and PackersNews.com. Those two our former teammates at Northern Iowa University, if you were wondering why both a Packers and a Bears cornerback were together. Now, if there's a silver lining here for Dorleon specifically and and the Green Bay Packers perspective, it appears as if Hall created the bigger disturbance, as he was cited for disorderly conduct, public intoxication, and interference. A, A taser was apparently used on him Dorleont, meanwhile, was just cited with misdemeanor interference. Uh, According to the report, he was apparently trying to pull Hull away from officers despite being warned to stay back from the scene. The incident took place at Sharky's Funhouse in Cedar Falls, which is near the northern Iowa campus. And again, according to the report, everything reportedly started when a bouncer apparently denied them entrance to the building. As for the fallout from this incident, because it was a misdemeanor, I personally doubt anything will come of this. It's true that teams do tend to have short leashes with players on the roster fringe, but I tend to think the Packers will treat this as strike one for Dorleon. As long as there's been no other incidents from him, and there are none that I'm aware of, I think they'll give him a second chance, and everyone deserves a second chance, as I said earlier. I'm not sure they deserve a fourth chance like defensive lineman Latroy Guyon appears to be getting, but that's not the case with Dorleant. Now, if you read between the lines, I think the Packers actually hold higher hopes for Dorleont than many think, based on the evidence that they used the one and only designation to return from injured reserve on him last season. Unfortunately, he then suffered another injury that ended his year, but he, he's one of those dark horse candidates that could be a contributor to this team in 2017, and that could really help the Green Bay Packers at a position they need the help. Obviously, he has a long way to go to prove he can do that, but it's possible. Uh, he's also got a long way to prove that he can stay healthy because it was the originally a hamstring injury in training camp that landed on, on injured reserve the first time in which he was the designated to return player. And then it was a knee injury that ended his season later on. So he's got to start taking, uh, got to start staying healthy, healthier, uh, I guess you could say. But yeah, other than that, uh, that's the MacIntyre dorleon news. Um, in other news, Packers president Mark Murphy spoke with the media Sunday evening from the site of the NFL owners meeting in Arizona, becoming the first representative from the organization to comment on the team's approach in free agency since it opened. Uh, because, uh, you know, we haven't heard what we heard from, you know, Ted Thompson, Mike McCarthy at the NFL Combine before the start of free agency. Haven't heard from them since then. Uh, the Packers have taken an atypical approach To free agency this offseason, losing an unusually high number of players to other teams, seven of them, but also signing an unusually high number from other teams, four of them. The takeaway comment from Mark Murphy yesterday was, quote, there's certain players that other teams were willing to pay more than we thought was reasonable, end quote. That comes from Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. I'm not sure there's a whole lot more to read into those comments. They're actually pretty accurate. Uh I think what what how Mark Murphy generalized the Packers approach to free agency in twenty seventeen. Um I, I like what the Packers have done. The the one you know, the one that got away that really surprised me was TJ Lang, as I've said on this show before, but other than that, uh, I, I don't have a whole lot more to say on, on on that topic. Maybe the Packers feel good about his potential replacements, uh, whether they're already on the roster, like Jason Spriggs and or Kyle Murphy or others, or that comes through the NFL draft. We will see. Uh, but that's what we have from the owners' meetings thus far just getting underway on Sunday the the bulk of the uh you know what happens the work that takes place at the owners meeting takes starts today lasts through Tuesday wraps up on Wednesday uh so understandably not much coming out of Arizona yet but we'll find out more to come and uh just just one final note we got details of Kristen Michael's contract from Tom Silverstein and the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel over the weekend. Michael got a one-year deal worth $800,000, including a $25,000 signing bonus. So in the grand scheme of things, that's a really small bonus and guaranteed money. If they have to cut him, Michael's bonus is hardly a deterrent. Packers can absorb that $25,000 hit which is a drop in the bucket on the salary cap and because of the veteran salary benefit his cap number is only $640,000 so really he comes at a bargain price for the Green Bay Packers so uh there's that to consider there uh so that's kind of the the news we have so far uh Uh, On this Monday morning, like I said, there's there's all sorts of things that are going to come out of the owners meeting, but haven't really happened yet, Um, including the the proposed move of the Oakland Raiders to the uh, Las Vegas. And and that kind of uh, leads me right into this segment here. The day ahead. We'll get to that in a moment. The NFL owners meetings continue in Arizona on 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 Monday, and Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press Gazette reports that General Manager Ted Thompson will meet the media on Monday. It'll be the first time he's spoken to the media since the NFL Combine and the first time since the start of free agency. I'm not sure you're going to find anything enlightening from Thompson. But follow the Packers beat writers on social media and you'll hear whatever comes from the horse's mouth regardless. Uh, As for what else is going on at the owners meeting, the vote on whether the Raiders proposed move to Vegas will will reportedly take place this afternoon. uh, According to ESPN, Adam Schefter reports the vote will be approved. Now, I have no indication what the Packers will do, how they'll vote on it, but I have no reason to think they'll be against it, other than the reasons that Zach Cruz just cited before, that the Packers have concerns about the size of the market, Um, but you can bet it'll be a popular fan destination, you can bet on that. I'm sure there's already some of you listening to the show that have been like, ooh, packers could potentially play a game in las vegas. Well, sign me up for that. i'm going to fly out there and stay at a casino and have myself a good old time uh over the course of a weekend or something like that. and um you know, it's it's something that you know, fans have already done. i know when the wisconsin badgers have played against unlv it was a popular destination. In fact, there was, you know, we're probably going back what close to a decade now. But you can remember the time when there was that power outage at the Badgers UNLV game that really impact that, you know, ended up canceling the the the. It happened in the fourth quarter, and and they couldn't finish the game, and kind of impacted how the, you know, the, the betting line, even if the, 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 the score itself was pretty much out of reach. The Badgers had put it out of reach at that time, but, but you know, the, the over under and the, the, the line on the game could have been impacted, um, with the last minutes on the clock, whatever. It, It was a strange situation and I'm getting off topic now, but, uh, yeah, that's that's Las Vegas for you, but uh also uh provides an interesting backdrop. Obviously there's consideration you know, the, the league has been so anti Las Vegas and betting forever, uh that you know they do have to take a cautious approach that certainly they want to make sure that nobody is, is taking bribes for them to throw games or play poorly or anything like that uh but uh i think we're coming to the day and age here where no matter if you live in vegas or not you know gambling takes place uh, albeit illegally pretty much nationwide and worldwide and uh to 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 single out las vegas as the only place that could happen is is kind of unfair in a way so uh obviously you have to safeguard against those kind of things from happening Uh, But you have to do it pretty much everywhere and not just in Las Vegas. As for what else is happening on Monday, the Pro Day schedule, universities hosting events today include Houston, Rice, Appalachian State, Villanova, Cal Poly, Monmouth, and Morgan State. And uh, my usual disclaimer, Uh, Packers scouts are guaranteed to be at least at a couple of those events, albeit maybe not all of them. The team does not publish which specific sites they send representatives to, but you can rest assured they'll be checking out some of them as the Packers prepare for the upcoming NFL draft at the end of April. And that does it for today's show of Railbird Central here at Cheesehead TV. Thank you to Zach Cruz for being our guest on today's show. Uh, glad to have him join us and provide some Packers perspective on the arrest of McIntendor Dorleant and what else is going on at the NFL owners meeting and looking ahead to the NFL draft. So glad to talk about that with him. And uh, we'll be back again on Wednesday. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8:30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show. Usually today we aired at 9 o'clock a.m. We had to push it back a half hour, so thank you for your patience. But we're glad we could still provide an episode regardless. Um, so we'll see you, folks. We'll see you on Wednesday. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiribu. I leave you today with a song called Tweaker by Keller Williams on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go, pack, go. fall down.